0: Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His word to what's happening here and now. Like the rest of you, my family has been consumed with news coming out of Ukraine over the past two weeks or so. Like you, we've been horrified and saddened by the Russian invasion, and we've also felt a strong desire to somehow step in and help and do something. You may or may not know that my husband and I are still involved in missions in Europe through Pioneers International. So Mark, my husband, has had the honor of speaking with a few different Pioneers missionary families who are on the ground in Ukraine and Poland, and they are serving refugees who are fleeing Ukraine. I'm going to link those Pioneers in Europe podcast episodes to the show notes here on this particular episode of All Things. We are just honored to know these missionaries personally and know about the good work that they are stepping in to do. They go to the border of Poland and Ukraine and they are transporting women and children who are fleeing the country. They are bringing them home in their own vehicles, housing them in their own homes, feeding them, providing clothing and care. One family is also in particular providing trauma care to the children who are fleeing. They're just doing really good self-sacrificial work. And um, I'm just excited to share their story with you. So be sure to check those links out in the show notes. So as these missionaries are taking people out of Ukraine, of course, many Ukrainians, millions, of course, have to stay in country. And as we watch these awful scenes emerge online, we wonder how will the people who stay ever survive this war? Well, I was contacted this week by another friend in missions who works with an international relief organization called Convoy of Hope. And I was so glad to have a chance to speak with their director of international disaster services to find out how they are delivering hope and help into Ukraine. So what you're going to hear now is my interview with him. I am being joined today by Ryan Graybill of Convoy of Hope. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on all things.
1: Yeah, I'm honored to be here.
0: To kick us off, can you tell us about Convoy of Hope? Tell us what your organization does and tell us about your role there.
1: Sure. Convoy of Hope uh, is a nonprofit organization based in Springfield, Missouri. Um, started in 1994 and has an incredible story of how it started and how it was formed. Um but we have a number of program areas, and one of them is disaster services, and that's the team that I serve on. So I've been here for 12 years, and our team responds to disasters both in the United States and around the world, and uh, not just weather events, but um, also uh, man-made disasters, uh, war and conflict, even drought, um, you know, economic crises, and kind of those disasters that we call humanitarian events that last for years and years, sometimes.
0: Yeah. So we're going to talk today about what's happening in Ukraine. Obviously the whole world is captivated by what's taking place there. Um, but can you tell me what were you busy about before this happened? What were the crises that you were handling, you know, a couple weeks ago?
1: Oh yeah, that's a great question. Well, we responded to uh, 42 disaster events and humanitarian events last year, just internationally. Uh, so 64 as a team, as a disaster services team altogether. So we're always very busy. Um, There are a ton of disaster uh, events that occur around the world. But um, whenever this event began, we had a team in Guatemala responding to uh, a small earthquake that happened there uh, in the southern area of Guatemala recently. And um, we have a team in Australia right now responding to some historic flooding there. Um, We're still doing some COVID responses in places around the world. Um, but like I said, we, at any given time, we probably have 15 to 25 active responses going on around the world.
0: My goodness. Wow. I can't even really get my head around the breadth of what you guys are doing, but so grateful you are established and ready to respond to things like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Give us an idea of what your team is seeing on the ground in Ukraine. I know that they are there and they're also across the border in neighboring nations. Um, can you just give us an idea of what you're encountering there?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, sadly, it's it's similar to a lot of what we're seeing on the news for those that um, are able to, to keep an eye on what's been happening. Um, uh a lot of areas in Ukraine, you know, you may have seen that, that, you know, more than 2 million refugees have left the country. Well, with a population of more than 40 million, that still leaves a lot of people in the country. So the far west side of Ukraine, um, it, for the most part, you know, is, is I guess, quote unquote, safe, uh, comparatively. And so a lot of people have kind of moved to that area to, to just flee their homes on the Eastern and central sides for now. Um, but Um, A lot of our partners on the east side, the south side, even the north side in Kyiv, it's very, very hard to get access to products at all, even if they have funding to work with. And so with a breakdown of supply chain mechanisms um, to restock stores, even if they were open, um, that's a huge, huge issue. You know, how to supply 30-something million people or 40 million people with product Um, when all supply chain mechanisms basically stop and you're coming up with new plans um, is, is obviously a huge task.
0: Yeah. So how do you respond? What, what can be done when, um, you know, we're seeing images of bridges that are collapsed, um, you know, highways that are no longer passable, exactly what you're describing. How does Convoy of Hope address that?
1: Um. Carefully, quickly, strategically, um, you know, the, the challenges change every day and the open roads, uh, literally, or like you said, the bridges, um, that are still safe to go across, um, or even there, um, you know, change every day. So convoy has always relied on local partners. Um, we have a fairly unique model. We don't come into a country and set up a compound with a barbed wire fence and, um, you know, set up tents and everything. Um, we serve with local partners. And so um, it's it's generally a local church connection, sometimes a missionary, sometimes an organization. Occasionally there's a government contact that's kind of our initial contact. Um, but we're always working with people who know the area, know the culture, know the needs. And um, this is just one of those particularly um, – unique situations and dangerous situations where, um, you know, for the safety of our partners on the ground, we're, we're kind of vague sometimes on what we share. Um, but all that to say there are still people in Ukraine, um, a lot of them, and there are a lot of people who are trying to be a part of the solution of how to get product to them, um, to sustain them and and continue to help them.
0: Wow. So you already had some of these partnerships established prior to this war breaking out. And it sounds like some of those partnerships are with churches and Christians or missionaries on the ground. Can you tell us, can you speak to um, the condition of the church inside Ukraine right now?
1: Well, um, you know, it's, I I guess it's similar to what other people in Ukraine are experiencing as well. Um, I know that some of the contacts that we have, um, you know, disasters bring out the best in a lot of people, um, and they, they jump in and want to help and want to serve. And so we're working alongside a lot of um, truly heroic and courageous church partners that are distributing relief supplies, even in communities that are being actively bombed um, and trying to figure out ways, you know, oh, well, this, this supply chain mechanism has broken down. How can we get product from this area instead and just trying to provide um, consistent supplies to people in the community. So um, we've really seen the church stand up in a powerful and incredible way. And at the same time, unfortunately, you know, we are, we are stuck back before um, the, the day of, of having landlines um, and unable to contact some people as well. So there's, there's word of mouth information that's being shared as well on the ground uh, from people that have come from certain communities. And it's, it's kind of a total mixture, honestly, uh, depending on the community on, on how things are going. But um, yeah, it's been an incredible opportunity for the church to really shine in a lot of ways, but of course, is, is not void of challenges by any means.
0: Right. So Ryan, when you say move product, what does that mean to the layman's ears? Um, what kind of products are we talking about?
1: Yeah. So right now we're, we're sticking to the basics, um, you know, food, water, hygiene, supplies, um, just the basic items that we all, um, maybe even sometimes take for granted here in the U S um, but all the stuff that we need just to survive. Um, you know, if you can imagine, uh, in the community where you live for your listeners, uh, every store in your entire community is closed. Um, maybe if you're in a Northern state, you know, there's, it's kind of like there's a massive snowstorm or something, but it's closed forever. So whether or not product has been taken from there and now the shelves are empty, either way, there's no access to supplies and it will not be restocked. So you're basically stuck with what you have and you have to live off of that. And so right now we're moving product. um, And by that, you know, food, food, water, hygiene supplies, primarily. Um, And we're getting into some of the other supplies too. We're trying to provide as much warm clothing as we can get um, our hands on, and, um, some sheltering supplies and some, some other things that are needed, but, uh, the supply chain mechanism and how we move quote unquote product, um, is, is primarily getting product in, in other parts of Europe and bringing it into Ukraine, um, across the border. And then we essentially process requests, um, from our partners in country and then have trucks deliver to those communities from that location. So, um, uh, again, we, we've like, I've been a part of more than 300 different disaster responses in my time at convoy, but every disaster is so, so, so different. And we rely so heavily on the local church and local contacts, local companies to know what's needed, um, and how to get it there. Um, because you know, they know the roads, they know the language, they know the culture, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, a uh, that's just kind of a a quick example of kind of breaking down that word product a little bit. Like you asked.
0: Yeah, no, that's really helpful because I feel like it's just hard to imagine being in a context like that. I mean, I'm sitting here in my home in Colorado. I'm surrounded by grocery stores, target Walmart. I mean, I have truly within maybe two miles of here, I could go to 30 different stores to get what I need. So putting myself in the position of a Ukrainian who now maybe is living in a home without electricity or plumbing, who is fearful and then cannot provide food and water and warmth for my family? It's really hard to imagine. It's just hard to think about what that is like, um, you know. And here we are in the U.S., we're a world away. While these images and these stories are being streamed to us almost live, whether it's on social media or on media, we're watching this war happen almost in real time. And yet I'm doing so from the warmth and comfort of my own home. Ryan, I wonder if you could help the church who is listening, Christians who are listening, Americans who are listening, understand why should we care? I mean, this is happening across an ocean, across a continent, why should we enter in and care about this particular crisis?
1: Uh, it's such a great and powerful question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, uh, the short answer is because Christ told us to. <laughs> I mean, e- even just outside of our of our um, command to you know love God and um, to love others. Um, even just outside of that, we're talking about the rest of the body here. So for people that are believers, these are other parts of the body, capital B, um, that are in the same group as us, that are going to the same place as us that we're going to see, um, that are suffering and are experiencing um, just extreme difficulty beyond, like you said, even beyond our imagination. It, it probably, um, I don't know if anyone would say it like looks like a movie or something if you watch it on TV but it's almost that surreal where we're sitting in comfort and kind of watching these things unfold on our TV. We don't know what it's like to be there. Um, but being able to connect to and relate to what's happening to somebody else is something that we really should be practicing in our everyday lives. But in 2022, we have the opportunity to do something about it for people on the other side of the world. And that's a really incredible opportunity. There was a day not long ago where we Probably wouldn't have heard much about it or would have only read whatever was put in our local newspaper. Um, So being able to have the information is one thing. um, But, you know, most importantly, praying for um, those that are being impacted is is key. And then being able to take it a step farther and, and doing something about it is huge
0: yeah you make a really good point that I don't know that I had really appreciated until you just said that, and that is that there was a time not too long ago when we would not have been aware of what's happening, um, that we would have waited for news in our local newspaper. and so um, while it can be incredibly heavy, um, even too heavy at times to stay engaged with the news cycle, we we now have at least a glimpse if not an incredible amount of information, each one of us. Um, and it's in its current information, but along with that comes the privilege and the power and the responsibility of being able to participate in some of the relief work, albeit at a distance. But the beauty of an organization like convoy is you're already there. Your partners are there. It's already set up. You're good to go. Um, it's just a matter of plugging in the expertise and the resources that are already available and making a, you know, a link, a quote convoy of hope. really yeah yeah. hope into these into the nation that needs it
1: yeah yeah you said it well you said it well
0: so I know you kind of already spoke to this but let me ask it again and maybe even if you have a specific story I know that you are in the U.S. um, helping strategy and run things from afar I know that you personally are not on the ground but have you heard any stories in particular Ryan that are especially encouraging as your team is there face to face with Ukrainians
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, for, for our team, um, and I'll, I'll generalize this and then I'll I'll get a little bit more specific, but for us, one of the craziest things about our job is that when we get involved in situations, disaster situations around the world, we basically just watch the Lord open up doors that we could have never even possibly imagined. Um, and it's, it's hard to describe, honestly, if you're not there watching it unfold. Um, but, um, you know, supplies showing up exactly at the time they're needed, or, um, even making a contact at random while walking down the street somewhere or where our team is staying, you know, someone seeing their shirt that says convoy of hope and asking, is there any possible way we can volunteer? Um, you know, the other day, and, and this is, this is minimal, but the other day, um, we had 25 Ukrainian, um, refugees in Poland, see our team members with their, their shirts on and ask if there's any way they could come and volunteer. And they came and helped us in our warehouse, um, processing supplies. So, um, but unfortunately, most of the stories that we have heard have been very difficult to hear and very challenging. Um, but we're, 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 we're working and we're trying to be a part of, of the other side, the hope giving part, Um, Yeah. I'm trying to think of a, of another specific story.
0: Um, Well, I know there's many on the Convoy of Hope website, which I've been on multiple times over the last few days. So we'll give our listeners um, that web address as we conclude in a few minutes, but they can go there. They can see video photos, stories, firsthand accounts. And um, that is really encouraging.
1: Yeah, for sure. And our, our team, quite honestly we don't even watch the news that much in our <laughs> in our operations center because we're so consumed with the logistics of of trying to make it all happen but yeah. um yeah directing directing thank you for mentioning that directing people to the website would be huge um we we had a we had a team um in Poland um that was working with um talking with families and just hearing stories that they had to share of of what it was like in Ukraine and coming across the border and, and, you know, what it was like to be received there. Um, Even another story of hope, um, uh, when our team first got there, they noticed something strange, that there were not, like, large groups of refugees just kind of sitting around, uh, you know, in public places, or there had not been, like, massive refugee camps set up in the areas where they were at. And they realized that in many areas, Polish families were lined up just waiting for the next Ukrainian family to come through the border and to take them home and host them.
0: Yeah.
1: So stories like that, where it's just like, that is incredible. Um, and just amazing that, that Poland specifically that has really, um, um, you know, taken the weight or I should say the largest number of refugees so far, um, has responded in that way. But the needs will of course, continue to grow as, as people come across the border and, um, need to find new lodging and, you know, kind of figure out what their life looks like here going forward. So we have strategy in in multiple areas. I won't get into it too much right now, but Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share that story as well.
0: Yeah, I do think it's beautiful the way the Polish church has responded and Polish people in general have opened up their homes. I feel like that has been especially convicting. I mean that those stories um, are an admonishment to us in the West in terms of practicing hospitality, loving others the way we we would want to be loved, you know, laying our lives down for those who are hungry and marginalized. And just thinking of the way Jesus said, you know, as you did for the least of these, you did for me. And um, Poland is teaching us that right now. And I'm truly grateful and convicted and encouraged and amazed by their example. Yeah, one
1: of the main church leaders we've been been, um, talking with in Poland basically told our team, don't worry about Poland like we're fine take care of mm-hmm. Ukraine they're the ones that need the help right now so I think a similar heart to maybe what some of your your listeners would be able to relate to of like we, we could we could take care of ourselves you know let's go help this group over here um, that has greater needs so it's pretty powerful
0: yeah it really is so Ryan what are some of the things, one or two things maybe, that feel kind of insurmountable, you know that you sit around with your teammates and you're problem solving and you're looking at something and going, "How are we ever going to get over that obstacle?"
1: You know, I would say the most difficult thing or the most difficult obstacle is having no idea what tomorrow looks like um, in in a in a weather related disaster. No matter how difficult it is, it happens and then it's done. Right? An earthquake. There's aftershocks, so there might be additional damage depending on the strength of the aftershocks. But in this kind of a situation, so many Ukrainian families are faced with the with with trying to decide: Is this going to last forever? Will our country become Russia? You know, will we win this war? Basically, um, do I need to leave? Will Russia ever come to this end of the country? Because there had been some talk. About Russia, you know, only wanting to take over the disputed areas on the eastern side of Ukraine. So, all of those questions that people are facing, you know, those all reflect on our operations and our planning as well. And just trying to figure out what's the best way to help families uh, today, because we don't really know what tomorrow is going to look like. And so, the fact that the situation is changing every day. Um, and we're trying to provide relief literally in an active war zone. Um, that's not very normal for relief agencies, um, to attempt to do that. Uh, and it's very difficult, but, uh, yeah, that, that feels especially challenging just trying to forecast mm-hmm. an a unforecastable situation.
0: Yeah. It sounds like we need to be praying just for wisdom, supernatural wisdom from above and discernment for your team.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: This kind of feels like a silly question because I think I know what you're going to say, but maybe there's more to it than meets the eye. Do you think this is going to be a long lasting crisis situation? Do you feel like convoy of hope is going to be on the ground for a long time?
1: Um, The short answer is yes. Um, You know, I don't know if you, you saw the, the uh, broadcast from Belarus had a meeting with some of their military leaders. You know, they're very, very pro-Russia and, and helping Russia in this uh, conflict uh, or war. And um, the, the, um, the leader was, had a map behind him. And after the broadcast and it was shared publicly, people noticed that there were arrows going from the southern side of Ukraine into Moldova. Uh, huh. as like the next step. And so Moldova uh my understanding is not a NATO uh member, is not a and it's not an EU member. And so that similar issue with Ukraine of like no international partner is really like required to respond and if they do, you know, it kind of triggers the rest of everyone else to get involved and that whole issue on the on the government level, um there's not as many protections for Moldova as there is for um, basically any of the countries west of there. So um, there had been some conversation last week, some uh, intelligence that came out from our government talking about how the, they there were some predictions that the conflict could last 10 to 20 years. Oh, so you never know what to believe two weeks into something like this, Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that it's probably a safe bet that we'll be continuing to provide relief in the area for a long, long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, tell us this: What are the most significant prayer needs for Convoy of Hope right now? For this is going to air on Friday, tomorrow through the weekend. How can we be praying in the days and the whole week to come?
1: Oh, anything you want to pray about. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I, I would say first of all for um, people in Ukraine. Um, so much background. Um, you know, so many connections. Uh, in the country, many people have family in Russia and they're messaging their family and saying, What is Russia doing to us? And their family saying, They're liberating you. And they're like, but they're not. They're they're bombing our community and there's, you know, no military here. Um, you know, without getting into the full story, you, you, you may have heard that the messaging of Russia is is along those lines that Russia is going in to liberate Ukraine from Nazi influence. And this group that's basically um, killing their own people. And the reality is, as we know, different than that. But that's what people in Russia are being told. So um, e- the experience of what families uh, are walking through in Ukraine is just, um, it's just really hard. Yeah. So um, I would say them first, um, yeah. you know, leaders, church leaders, pastors, um, people in Ukraine that um, are able to help with providing relief and have stayed behind. Um, you know, I think any, any man between the ages of 18 and 60 didn't really have the option on whether to stay. Um, so many of them are, are joining the military and then many of them are driving trucks and doing distribution as well as women, of course. But I would say for the leaders um, and pastors and those in the community to, um, you know, that the Lord would give them safety, that he would give them courage, Um, and, and boldness really, um, to, to look for opportunities to serve in the community in the midst of, of all the difficulty that's taking place. Um, and then the same would be true for the church, honestly, in nations to the West and, uh, you know, the other directions that refugees are going to, um, to escape. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of possibility for, um, just basic service, but, but ministry, um, to help, help families, and, um, you know, praying for wisdom for them, for for resources, for even creativity on how can we help these families. Um, and then, you know, selfishly for our team as well, as we work with local pastors and leaders um, in Poland and in uh, Ukraine and six other countries um, just to, to serve these families as best as possible. And so um, it's very complicated. You know, I'm sure many of your listeners saw that Uh, Like I said, about men staying to help, um, many, 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 like hundreds of thousands of families, the women and children have left and the men have stayed. So, uh, there's just so many factors involved, um, that we, we would, we would covet everyone's prayers for, for the whole situation, but that would kind of be the, the list that comes to mind.
0: Yeah, no, that's really helpful. So in addition to prayer, how can listeners of all things get involved? What can we be doing?
1: Um, you can check out our, our website, convoyofhope.org backslash Ukraine, um, for updates, um, on how to, uh, on what we have going on and how to become a part. Um, I know a lot of times, if I could just address it directly, I know a lot of times people have hesitancy to, to give money and would rather give something. And the reality is, um, money helps us to be able to procure product in Europe and get it into Ukraine as fast as possible. Um, so we are moving some product that companies have donated from the U S to Ukraine. Um, but even some of the fastest shipping methods are not as fast as being able to procure locally. So of course we would welcome people's financial support, um, to help us to be able to serve. Um, but just being aware, being aware of what's happening and, and who's there working and, and, and what help is being provided and what people are experiencing just really helps us to, um, to not forget about what's happening there, to constantly be praying for everyone. And, um, yeah, we we would love the support um, both for the families there and also for what Convoy of Hope is doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, with my own um, limited background in missions, I just really respect your partnership with a local church. And I know that that really is um, a, the most excellent way to be involved as an international relief organization. So, really just impressed by Convoy of Hope's model and appreciate the way that you are um, partnering with local churches, local ministries, those who are on the ground. I know that that is such a great way for us to be providing help. And so, um, it's an encouragement to me, as an American and as someone speaking to American Christians, that um, we know we we are without excuse. Now we know, and to whom much is given, much is required. And this is an opportunity for us to steward our resources in terms of serving the least of these on the other side of the planet. So, thank you, Ryan, for what you and your team are doing. Thank you for your excellent work that gives us a venue to help provide relief. And um, certainly, I will be linking Convoy of Hope in the show notes and sharing um, all of those opportunities with listeners and just encouraging those who are listening now to be in prayer and to give sacrificially to alleviate suffering in ukraine so again thank you ryan for joining me we really appreciate all that you're doing
1: yeah thanks so much for having me on
0: thanks for listening to all things with jen oshman where we look at events and trends through a christian lens all things were created through jesus and for jesus so we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now